Hello, we are Becky and Gabby, your micropolitan matchmakers, coming at you every Thursday to help you find big love in your small town. Each week, we'll cover everything from dating advice, dating love stories, and horror stories, interviews with other dating experts, and much more, all from the lens of dating in a small to medium-sized micropolitan region. Hello, 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 everyone out there. Welcome to your favorite day of the week. It is Micropolitan Matchmaker Thursday, and we have a really fun episode. Gabby, before I get into the heart take, do you want to tease our guests a little bit? Yes, uh, we are so excited to welcome Casey O'Neill and Lori Walker. They are both from the Capital Region Safer Bars Initiative, and we are so excited to have them. Becky and I have been in discussion with them over the last couple of weeks about ways we could partner with them to help promote their mission, which after the heart take, I will let them kind of take the reins and let them know, let you all know what Capital Region Safer Bars is and the organizations that the two of them work for. But I'm really excited for Becky's heart take because she's introducing a book that I have not read yet that she's told me all about. So And I appreciate you, Gabby. And I know that this is cheating. So anyone who listened to last week's episode knows I referenced this book a couple of times. For those um, tuning in on our YouTube channel, here is the cover. The book is called Make Your Move. And it is by author John Berger, B-I-R-G-E-R. And I just really like this book. It definitely is aimed um, a lot at heterosexual women. But I think the messaging behind taking charge of your dating life and making your move is really applicable to everyone. And he writes in a kind of with the mindset of an economist. That's kind of his first, his first role. Um, And I thought it was just a really interesting approach to dating. And it talks a lot about if you want to meet the partner of your dreams, that person might not come in the package that you think they would. And so um, why not make your move with some people that you might not have given attention to previously um, and go out there and kind of put yourself out there. So it was a book that in my dating journey really um, helped get me moving post pandemic and ready to kind of get back out there and shoot my shot um, and really changed up the way that I approached um, online dating prior to meeting my boyfriend. And I really will credit this book with putting me in a great mindset for that. So it is cheating because I have brought this book up before, but wanted to officially make it my heart take this week. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have like affiliate links, but you can get it on Amazon. Um, We don't get any kickbacks from that or bookshop.org because uh, bookshop.org, that's a great place to buy books online because it does give money back to smaller bookshops across the country. So I withdraw my uh, claim to Amazon and we'll tell you to go to bookshop.org for that purchase, but it's Make Your Move by John Berger. I love it. Can't wait to read it. And Becky is just full of amazing dating books that I'm sure she will fill you all in on at some point. Um, But it is without further ado that, again, we introduce Casey and Lori. So um, I'm going to toss it over to Casey and Lori to talk a little bit more about what they do on a day-to-day basis and how they came together uh, to start Capital Region Safer Bars. Take it away. Yeah. Hello, Becky and Gabby. Thank you so, so much for having us. We're so super excited to be here and talk about Capital Region Safer Bars. Uh, so my name's Lori, you she, her pronouns. I am the coordinator of community education um, and I run our Capital Safer Bars uh, in Albany uh, with Albany County Crime Victims and Sexual Violence Center. Um, so Casey, I don't know if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Lori. And thanks again, Becky and Gabby. We are super flattered to be on here with you. 
So hi all, my name is Casey O'Neill. I also go by she and her pronouns. I work with Planned Parenthood of Greater New York through Survivor Support Services. And in that role, I work as a regional coordinator, which essentially means that I'm leading the Safer Bars program alongside Lori, but particularly in Schenectady County. Which is awesome. And can you tell us a little bit more high level before we dig in too deep, what is Safer Bars and what was the origin of the program? Yeah, definitely. So Capital Region Safer Bars is a partnership um, between our organizations and really between the brewery, bar, and nightlife community, um, where we work together to prevent sexual violence from occurring. So we work together to make sure that patrons can go out and enjoy themselves without really having to live in fear or worry that they're going to experience any kind of sexual violence. Um, and go ahead, Lori. Yeah. Um, so you had asked the, you know, where Safer Bars came from. So it's actually a New York State Department of Health initiative across the state uh, to train bars and to really work in that nightlife community to prevent violence and sexual violence. Um, and as uh, it branches out throughout the state, that's kind of where Capital Region Safer Bars comes in. Our little hub in the Capital Region is really where we take this idea of making a safer, more fun, inclusive space and really, you know, go hard at Albany and Schenectady counties and really dig into our community and, and really help support us in the way that they need. And how do you do that? So we, as we, our listenership expands, um, hopefully, you know, beyond the capital region, um, what are some things maybe to look for? What kinds of training do you do with the, the bar and restaurant staff for folks who might not be able to come to one of the bars here? Yeah, that's a great question, Becky. Um, and one of the things that we also want to know is that Safer Bars, this curriculum, it's evidence-based program, um, it actually originates in Arizona, where they did focus groups with bar staff and um, people working in nightlife on what are the issues in bar spaces and does doing bystander intervention actually work? So that's what really sets apart um, Arizona and also New York State because we're using this evidence-based program. Um, but did you want me to go into the particulars of what the training looks like or what the entire program looks like? Yeah, that would be great. Okay, great. I was already like flying off the handle and I went right <laughs> out. So thank you for it. redirecting me there. Um, but as we mentioned before, it's a partnership really between our agencies and also the nightlife community, both in Schenectady and also in Albany County. And it really consists of a couple of different components. So we work with them to do a two-part training. So it's a six-hour training in total, but it's divided into two days, um, about two to four weeks apart where we work with them to talk about sexual violence, bystander intervention. Um, and we also uh, provide them with some technical assistance on policy and on the environment and other things that we can do to help them create a safer space. Lori, would you add anything to that? I wouldn't add, but I would just say that really at its core, Safer Bars is, is really about showing bar owners and, and managers and bartenders and everyone that works in restaurants that they really do have the power to prevent violence in their bars. I think a lot of times we think just as community members and workers, people in the community, that, uh, you know, violence is kind of this abstract thing that we really don't know how to address. Like we know how to not cause violence personally, but how do we help the community? Um, so we really focus on showing through bystander intervention, through policy, through community work, showing bar staff that like, hey, you're capable and you are more than able to, to do these things and, and prevent violence in the community. That's awesome. And it leads me to um, my next question, which is a two part question is one, how many bars do you have participating in your program in Albany and Schenectady County? And two, if there's somebody who's somebody who's listening, who's a bartender, a bar owner who um, might 
just be in bars a lot or be a regular at a bar and want that bar to adopt these trainings? How would somebody go about doing that? So part one. <laughs> so we have um, we have seven bars in um, between Albany and Schenectady that are trained in this. Um, and they range from bars that have been with us in the beginning, you know, this is their year three going on to bars that, you know, are less than six months into it. So we have that range of experience. Um, so that's kind of part one. Part two is if any of you are listening and you're like, wait, I work in a bar. Wait, I like go to this bar all the time. Safer Bar sounds awesome. Um, the easiest way is really get in contact with Casey or myself. You can go to capitalregionsaferbars.com and there's just all these different ways to contact us. Um, even if you just want more information, like, hey, you talked about bison intervention. I have no idea what that is. We're more than like happy to talk to you about those types of things. And I'll make sure to put links to that in the show notes as well. But as you just sort of asked that question about bystander intervention, what is that? And and I kind of have a two-part question now as well, but not only what is that, but um, what are those kind of signs that something is brewing that you could teach not just the bar staff, but potentially other empowered bystanders who are patrons at a location? What are those warning signs that something not so great is going on? Yeah, definitely. You're really getting at the kind of meat and potatoes of what our training is focused on. Um, so bystander intervention or being an active bystander essentially means that every single day, wherever we are, we are always mindful, observant in a place where we're seeing things happen. But as an active bystander, what that means is that when we see something, we intervene in some way. And throughout this program or the training, rather, when we talk about bystander intervention, we work with bar staff on how to utilize four different approaches to intervention. So we talk about, you know, if you see something, you can, if you don't feel comfortable intervening directly or confronting the situation head on, then you can delegate to somebody else. So that could be a bar staff um, member, you know, going to their manager or going to their security person. Um, we also talk about distraction. You know, if you're in a bar as a bartender or, you know, a wait staff and you're like, oh, hey, um, you know, how's tonight going? That would be like a check-in or, um, oh, did you see that game over there? Or did you see this going on? If you notice that things might be tense. Um, so bystander intervention really just refers to, you know, checking in, delegating, confronting, really addressing something that might be uncomfortable. Um, and when yeah. we talk about that, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. No, go on, I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, yeah, when we talk about that, we also go through with bar staff, all those different things to kind of keep note on, which also really applies to patrons. Laura, would you like to talk about some of the things that we tell them to keep an eye out for? Yeah, um, so I think uh, one of the biggest things that I think is surprising to a lot of people, not just bar staff, is when we say bystander intervention, and like, you know, if you see something, say something, a lot of people assume that that means that they have to be like, real confrontational and like get in and be like, no, stop this. Don't do that. And that's certainly a piece of it. But bystander intervention, there's so many more different techniques and ways to use it in a way that's not confrontational in a way that some people might not even notice that like bystander intervention is happening. So the, the very first piece and core of it is just noticing an event. Um, it seems like a very silly step, but it's actually a very big one. Just keeping their eyes out and, and noticing that something might be off. 
when I say something might be off, I mean that they're looking at someone at the bar, a patron there who is looking uncomfortable. Maybe they're noticing that this person uh, is usually, if it's a regular, they're usually very bubbly and happy and talkative. And now maybe there's people talking to that person and they're kind of turned away. They're very quiet. They're closed down. They're trying to maybe move bar seats away or, you know, just trying to like be on their phone and not really paying attention. Um, we really focus on teaching bar staff to notice those very subtle signs. Um, and it's a lot of things that bar staff already know how to do. Bar staff can tell when someone doesn't like their food. Bar staff can tell if someone doesn't really like their drink. And how do we take those skills that they already have and use every single day and help them really apply it to violence prevention? Mm. Um, I really Oh, I was going to just quickly, and I think I've shared this story uh, or this anecdote now with both of you, Casey and Lori, previously, but it's so true. And it's really interesting. Like, I think bar staff tend to be some of the most observant people around just because, especially if you're a regular and you're in a lot. And I was always very thankful um, for this one bartender at a place that sadly no longer exists. But I used to, if I was meeting someone for a first date off of a dating app, I consistently suggested the same restaurant on a specific night where I knew this person was working. And the first time he did it, it was magical. And he, he helped me over and over again, where if he could sense that the date was not something I wanted to continue much further, he would just bring the check over and not ask if we wanted another round. And it was just such a great way to like, he eased the exit strategy for me wonderfully. So certainly I never felt like in those scenarios that I was in a dangerous situation necessarily, but to the point that you're making about just the fact that these are folks that notice things and it's, it's often, um, you know, that is part of their job to be observant. But I guess that does lead me to a question in the sense that, um, you know, in my head and, and now in my thirties, like I'm not at packed bars very often, but I'm sure that there are times when um, these there's, you know, staff and bars that you work with where there's huge events and we've got like Thanksgiving Eve coming up. That tends to be a really big night to go out. Um, do you have strategies or things that you work through with, places that tend to have more of a crowded experience where it might be harder to notice some of those subtleties? Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the things that we always go into a training with a new bar with is understanding that there are definitely obstacles and barriers that they're facing as bar staff. Some places have limited staff. Um, just as you've said, some places have massive events where there's definitely more patrons or more party goers kind of attending than there are actually staff, uh, staff to attend to them. Um, so one of the things that we also incorporate into our training beyond the bystander intervention, beyond the you know, spectrum and scope of what sexual violence might look like, is that we also do policy and environmental scans or risk assessment. So we start the conversation with them to start thinking about, well, what does my establishment look like? Are there dark spaces and crannies where I can't really see people? What's the lighting like? What's the staffing like? Is there a person at the door who can check all the people coming in, but not someone who checks all the people leaving for the night? So just by having this space where bar staff and their managers and sometimes their owners can get together and talk about it, we already kind of get it into their mind of, okay, what can we do as an establishment, as a team together to make sure that our actual physical environment is also much safer? Um, and we also incorporate something called like a contact and cover, which is another form of our bystander intervention, which is essentially, you know, you're relying on another person as a part of your team, which is what staff always do to make sure that, you know, if something's happening, one person can go over and maybe escort the other person out. And you have another person who is kind of your backup to really give you that support um, in case you end up needing it. 
So those are also like excellent questions, Becky, something that we definitely go into the trainings thinking about. Yeah. And we also, again, really highlight that a lot of these skills are things that bar staff already have on those really busy nights where things are packed out. Bar staff are still working with each other to say, oh, you know, maybe this drink, this person needs a refill. This one needs extra, you know, cider ranch or this one hates their food. and We need something to do. So they're already used to communicating with each other in those high, busy atmospheres, working with a lot of different guests at once. So, again, taking those skills that they already have and applying that in a different way. Um, and I think a lot of them find they're like, oh, I, I already do some of this and now I can just do it a little better or in a way that helps everybody out. Um, or some of them find, hey, this is challenging, but I, but I have my team together. It's really about going in there and empowering them with what they already have. Yeah, so uh, that's a really great explanation. And I think that this is really helpful for our listeners to kind of keep these things in the back of their mind as they are patronizing different bars. Um, I feel like I learned a lot of this stuff when I entered college, but I wanted to know, are you working with any colleges, universities, or even high schools to inform the students, even though you might not work at a bar, you're probably going to bars or you're going to parties, which have a very similar feel. Um, do you ever work on education with students specifically? Yeah. So um, within Safer Bars itself, we haven't quite gotten to that point to where we're working with colleges and such because we're still growing and we're still making these connections. Um, there is a component that really works with the colleges. Um, we work with um, a different um, a grant that is out there in New York State, the Enough is Enough grant, and we have representatives, they work on the colleges who are also um, just starting to work with us in Safer Bars. Um, as agencies, though, for Albany County crime victims, we do a lot of school education, a lot of, uh, you know, college education. And I always, always, always slip safer bars in there somewhere, <laughs> you know, because you're right. I, we learn a lot of this stuff when we're older, but getting those preventative messages when people are younger or maybe like just those freshmen in college are super important. So our agencies do do that. And I'm really glad that we kind of um, segued into obviously safer bars. We talk a lot about the bar staff themselves, but kind of segueing into thinking through our audience, which is likely a lot of people who are on the market, who are dating, who are going out, even if you're together and in a relationship and you still enjoy going out just because you're in a relationship does not um, preclude you from being a, a victim of something or in a situation where you could be a, a, an empowered bystander. So as we make that transition in the discussion, what are some of the things that you talk to patrons about on that side or that you would talk to patrons about um, kind of from that lens of, you know, if you are someone who is made to feel uncomfortable or worse in a situation like that at a bar, what's something that you might, what's some advice that you would give to that person? Um, another good question, Becky. Um, also a tricky question for us because, you know, as we've mentioned before, and the part of the reason why we focus so much on bar staff is because we're really trying to change the narrative from away from that personal responsibility of all these things I have to do to keep myself safe to what do we do as a community to keep each other safe. Um, so, of course, absolutely. We are, I think everybody, especially, you know, going through school, going through college, learns all of those tips and tricks of what can I do to keep myself safe, right? There's a, you know, don't leave your drink unattended, go in a group, um, you know, let someone know where you're going when you go on a date. Um, I don't know, all of those kinds of like different check-ins. And we could also add, go to a bar where you feel safe, go to a bar where there's enough people that you feel like you can ask for help, um, go to a, a train safer bar where, you know, the staff are already trained to kind of pick up on those things and check in on you. 
Um, and also go ahead and if you're going to a bar restaurant, sit in a place where you feel like you have a good view of bar staff. So they're more likely to be able to have eyes on you if you feel like you want to do that. Um, but we also definitely want to get across the idea that even if you do all those things and something happens, it's not your fault, you know? So we definitely want to make sure that that's a part of the narrative as well. And again, kind of change it back to whose responsibility is it to keep people safe? It's definitely going to be the bar staff and the bar environment that's responsible for taking care of that. Um, I love that. Oh, oh I, just guess, I love that you made that point. And I think um, especially as women tend to get a little bit older and, you know, I'm mid thirties now and you'd think that you, you know, you hear so much about it in college in your early twenties when maybe you're going out a little bit more that you tend to feel uh, like this shouldn't be an issue for you anymore, but that's not necessarily the case and you can't blame yourself for these things. And I, I just really like what you said about that. I mean, there's certainly precautions and things you can do, uh, but ultimately we're, we're all responsible for each other. And if, if something does happen, the victim blaming is, is a really scary piece of that puzzle. So I'm, I'm really glad that you made that point, Casey. Yeah. Thanks Becky. And I think, you know, we always talk about sexual violence as like an individual personal issue, but if it's so pervasive, you know, as it is, then it definitely shows it's more of a societal issue. And so me going into a bar and having my keys in hand and covering my drink probably isn't going to change the outcome event of events as much as, you know, bringing, calling everybody in, to this issue to make sure that everyone is a piece of the prevention. Absolutely. Um, while we're talking about that community and inclusiveness piece, I'd love to talk about the LGBTQ community and what Capital Region Safer Bars does to protect the LGBTQ community and perhaps train the bars and the staff um, to be on the lookout for things that might not have been, you know, and it, back when I was at college, I learned about like women, you're the one, straight women, you are the ones who are going to be the targets. And that's not the case. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what um, your initiative does to help educate. Yeah, so there's definitely pieces of our training and just our conversations. We uh, really focus on everybody can be a victim. Anybody can be a victim. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, cis, trans, female, male, non-binary, you have that capacity to be. So we really work with the bars too, because it is in society. We have this idea when we think of victims, we kind of automatically assume that it's a woman. And really we're working to change that narrative. Just like Gabby, like you said, it's so important for that inclusivity um, to be able to have those conversations. So we work with bar staff to, to really think about, uh, you know, so say you have this scenario and it's it's a male and a female, and then we talk about how they may intervene. Then we go, okay, well, what if it's a male and male? Would you still identify those things as problematic? And if not, why not? And should we be? And the answer is usually yes, we should be. <laughs> so we really, we challenge them to think those ways. Um, and we really try to set up our trainings in a way that is, very conversational based. Uh, we don't ever want anyone to feel like they're being shamed for not knowing something. You know, you don't know what you don't know until you learn that you don't know it. <laughs> so really, even when we talk to bars about like incidents that might happen or, you know, their environment or policy, we really want bars to be able to say like, I think this might be a gap in our policy. And that's what we're here for. It's, it's okay to make improvements. It's okay to have gaps that you need help with. We're the experts in violence prevention, and we want to share that expertise with bars. They're the experts in nightlife. So working together, it's really a beautiful relationship. Um, I would definitely sign on to that. Lori totally nailed it. I think I would also add that, you know, in addition to the anyone can be um, a victim or experience harm, like anyone can also commit harm against someone else. And we didn't really go into this so much about the different definitions or things that we do in the training about sexual violence. 
But we also, we talk about sexual aggression and sexual aggression, it doesn't really matter what the gender or sexual orientation is of somebody. You know, that also includes homophobic or transphobic remarks. Mm -hmm. um, and Laurie had mentioned that we have things where we're talking about, we're changing what the gender assumption is for some of our scenarios. And it's a great conversation if someone starts to maybe assume the gender, we're like, well, actually we didn't say what the pronouns were for this person. Um, but as this curriculum goes, or really as the training program goes already, there's so much more room for input and conversation, especially around the LGBTQ community. Um, right now, we are trying to recruit people to do listening sessions for the LGBTQ and nightlife community, um, where before we were talking to patrons who identify as LGBTQ, and then now we're trying to bring in staff working in bars where they might be working in um, you know, LGBTQ plus bars and things like that, so that we have more of an input because sometimes sexual violence, what's okay, flirtation, all those things might look different in that context. Um, so we're always trying to get more input. Um, and that's a great question, Gabby. I really love, and I want to like put a pin on something that you said that really struck me, you know, I, that, that converse of anyone can be a victim, anyone can be an aggressor. And I think that there's probably situations where there are well-meaning people who commit acts of aggression that maybe they don't see that way. And so if you could give a message to anyone, not just male, female, but, you know, anyone who is displaying interest, you know, what are some things to maybe check yourself on or questions to ask yourself before you approach someone to try to ensure that you're not without thinking or intending, um, you know, making someone feel victimized? Yeah. So I think, um, I think that you bring up like a super interesting point. I think a lot of people are kind of scared about like, oh, I don't want to come off as like a predator, come off as this person or something. Um, but what I, ca I can say is uh, more often than not, if you're not a predator, you you generally won't come off that way. <laughs> I think, right, when, when we're flirting and no, I'm serious. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> when, <laughs> when uh, you know, when we're meeting new people and we're flirting and we're, we're testing the waters, uh, there's, you know, flirting is like a two-way dance almost. You can feel that other energy coming from the person. You can, you can just feel if they're interested oh. and if they're not. Uh, so really what I would say is, you know, if you are unsure, you can ask. There's nothing wrong with just, hey, are you okay? Is this like, okay, do you want to have another drink? Do you not? If not, that's totally okay. Uh, and really, you know, taking that, that, that no for an answer. Uh, I think another piece is that me and Casey work so, so hard on is um, getting rid of some of those myths that exist about flirting and dating. Uh, the things like girls always play hard to get. No doesn't actually mean no. Those things that we grow up learning for some reason um, that can really kind of change the way that we interact with people, right? If we, if I'm flirting in a bar and I have this mentality that if someone says no or pretends, pretends to be disinterested, I have to try harder. That's really a product of just this myth that I believe. So me and Casey work really hard to tackle those very specific things. So I don't I know, Casey, if there's so anything important. you want to add to that. No, Lori, I think um, what you said I completely resonates. I definitely agree. Um, I think, hmm. No, I don't think that I would add anything else to that. I think you nailed it. It was good. <laughs> Consent is sexy is really the underlying theme there, right? Like it's okay to ask. It doesn't ruin the the moment. I is a big thing for me, um, and I I like that. So just listening. And um, my best friend always talks about reading the room. Read the room is yeah. <laughs> so important. Yeah, definitely. It you know it doesn't hurt to ask, and it it makes it better and more. You know, it's that partnership. It's you're feeling each other out. It's you know, I, I'm I'm pro consent. What can I say? <laughs> Hopefully most people are. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs>
Well, as we come, Gabby, do you have any questions as we start to wrap up? No, I, I think that's really awesome. And I'm sure a lot of you local listeners are wondering what those seven bars are that yes. uh, Casey and Lori keep talking about. We will definitely put that up with the podcast information and on social media, um, along with the website and ways for you to contact Casey and Lori if you would like to learn more about the programs. And maybe you have a bar in mind who you'd like to approach and say, hey, you should become a Capital Region Safe Bar. So um, thank you guys so much. This was really, really helpful. And um, I think we need to keep having conversations like these um, and keep educating people across our community and beyond about how to take action and be a better citizen. I love it. Anything we missed, ladies, or anything? Um, or do you want to plug? Actually, I know we mentioned your website um, earlier in the episode, and I'll put it in the show notes. But if you want to share social media handles, website, ways to contact you one more time as we wrap up, that would be lovely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as Gabby said, um, we have like our, our website, we have different social media. Um, so we actually do our Safer Bars program through our different agencies. So for Schenectady County, you can take a look at um, PPGMY Survivor Support. Um, that's on our Instagram, our TikTok. There's some good stuff on there. You should check it out. Um, and you can always send us a private message, um, you know, tag bars that you want to participate in any of our Safer Bars posts. And then for Albany, yeah, for Albany, uh, we are at Albany CVSVC, so Crime Victims Sexual Violence Center. Um, and we are primarily Instagram. Um, we do a little bit of Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of information on there. We do a lot of fun stuff. And you're more than welcome to, to DM us and ask questions. No questions, bad questions. So. I love it so much. Well, thank you, ladies, so, so much for being here on Micropolitan Matchmakers. We hope you'll come back. I feel like this is only the beginning of this conversation. So looking forward to hoping uh, that you'll come back again and to continuing to partner with some of our other ventures, too, in, in promoting what you're doing, because it's really amazing work. Definitely. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank it's you. really been great. I am such a nerd when it comes to this stuff, so I could talk about it all day. So thank you so, so much for having us. <laughs> we love it. We'll definitely have you back, I promise. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks so everyone. Much. See Bye. ya.